0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks are 8-3 and three coming off the victory against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. And one person I suspect who is happy about that outcome is today's guest. He's Nick Filato. He's co-host of Big Blue Banter and writer at Big Blue View, the New York Giants community on SB Nation. Nick, welcome to the show.
1: Brandon, thank you so much. And Seattle Seahawks Nation, thank you for taking down those Philadelphia Eagles, man. <laughs> Carson Wentz, it does not look great for them right now, but I just wanted to extend my gratitude to all of you guys and then ask you to kind of take
0: it easy this week. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said that, I, I was kind of curious because, you know, talking to Michael Kist last week with the uh, Bleeding Green Nation, he almost sounded like he would be happier if the Eagles didn't make the playoffs this season just based on everything that they've been through. And so I, I am kind of curious, are, are you in fact happy about the, the New York Giants now being in first place in the NFC East? I'm absolutely happy. I don't understand the, from the Giants fans, the whole
1: notion that it's bad if the Giants win. This franchise is one of the more renowned franchises in NFL history, and it's kind of been a dumpster fire for the last couple of years. They've had a couple of, Kind of public disgraces the Josh Brown situation, things like that, and then you had the Eli Manning situation that kind of led to Ben McAdoo's firing when he benched Eli against uh, against the Oakland Raiders for Geno Smith. So there's a lot of just there's a lot of negativity around Giants around Giants fans, and now you have a new head coach. He's kind of brought in his own unique style, and it seems like all the players are taking to this style, and they really love this coaching staff. And the team has been playing a lot better recently. I know their record doesn't necessarily indicate that. But the team has been competitive all season outside of the San Francisco game, which they were competitive up until about the third quarter where they went for it on a fourth and one did not convert that. And then the points just started kind of pouring in. So the team has been competitive and I don't have delusions of grandeur about the team, but I don't understand why people would want, why giant fans would want the giants to lose. Like this is an exciting time, even though you kind of have to temper your expectations, especially with this Daniel Jones injury, which I'm sure we're going to get into that's that's a pretty bad loss right there.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really tough time for that to happen. But I do want to go back to what you're talking about, just as far as the trajectory of the team this year, because ever since the Giants started, 0 and for the season, the last seven games, like you're saying, they've been competitive. All the games have been within three points, except for the 10 point win over the Philadelphia Eagles. So now the Giants are on a three game win streak. Granted, it you know, it's against the football team. It's against the Bengals with their backup quarterback. But it does seem when you look over that last seven game stretch, you have to at least be excited about the fact that they're all competitive football games. We haven't had competitive football in December in
1: quite a while as Giant fans. And you also look at our crosstown rivals, the New York Jets. You see what's going on there and you hear talk radio and it's just so negative negative. and now it's like oh it's a glimmer of hope for the new york giants they're playing meaningful december football for the first time in a while so I, for me personally i i'm excited about it and it might not work out i don't necessarily know if the giants will end up winning this putrid nfc east but at least we're watching some quality football towards the end of the year
0: well and you had an article up on big blue view here recently ranking The next four games and which ones you thought would be uh, potentially the most likely for wins, because it's a tough schedule for the Giants coming up over these next four games.
1: Yeah, and it starts up there in the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Seahawks, the Cardinals and the Browns, uh, the Cowboys in week 17. You also have Baltimore mixed in there, which is week 16. A lot of these games, they're not they're not cupcakes by any stretch of the imagination. I think the Browns are eight and three, but I think they can be had to be honest. I mean, their specialty is to run the football. And I think the giants are a little bit better at stopping the run. Seattle's a team. I thought it could be an interesting game. If Daniel Jones was healthy, but if it's Colt McCoy, it shouldn't be interesting whatsoever. And there's also certain coverages that the giants run that I can just see a deep post DK Metcalf happening, which is something I'm sure we'll dive into. And then with the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, last year, different coaching staff, but the Arizona Cardinals were able to really just manipulate the protections of the Giants. I don't think that's going to happen this year, especially without Chandler Jones and the protection scheme of the New York Giants is much better with this offense than it was with Pat Shermer's offense. But yeah, no, it's not an encouraging last five games.
0: So the big news going into this week is that Daniel Jones is coming off a a pretty significant injury. Although, you know, listening to some of the reports on Monday and Tuesday, it sounded almost kind of hopeful that maybe Jones could be ready With that hamstring injury, but Colt McCoy taking majority of the snaps this week, what's kind of your sense based on the news coming out of the Giants camp this week if Jones is going to have a shot or not?
1: I personally don't think Daniel Jones is going to play, and it's probably wise to hold him out because you can re-aggravate this hamstring strain, which it seems like that's what it is, and that could just lead to more problems down the road. I mean, it it wasn't a great look. He tried to go back in the game. He couldn't put any pressure on his leg. I mean, credit to Daniel Jones for being that tough to try to gut it out. But it was obvious that he couldn't really do anything. I think a big element of Daniel Jones' game is also what he can do with his legs. And he's not going to be able to do that, even if he was healthy enough to play against the Seattle Seahawks. So I think we're looking at a Colt McCoy-led offense, which isn't necessarily that great if you're a Giants fan right now. Now, Colt McCoy didn't look great Uh, in relief for Daniel Jones against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think with a week of preparation, he's going to look a little bit better. I mean, he's a veteran, been in a lot of different systems, but he's not going to have the vertical element to the game that Daniel Jones has, the athletic element to the game that Daniel Jones has. And Daniel Jones has been coming along a lot, Brandon, to be honest. I mean, a lot of people saw that Buccaneers game, which was, I've watched Daniel Jones's game every every single game of his throughout his career. And that was the worst one I've seen, is that and week 17 against the Philadelphia Eagles that were really, really bad where he was just trying to force ball. It was hero balls. Mechanics went out of whack when the pressure came and Todd Bowles really brought the pressure. And that's not necessarily something that's always consistent with Daniel Jones's game. But these last three games, he's been maneuvering in the pocket at a much better rate, sensing the pressure at a much better rate, throwing hot when that pressure comes. And the ball placement has just been spot on since that Buccaneers game. If you go back and watch a lot of those plays against the Cincinnati Bengals, those deep passes to Evan Ingram, They were excellent passes. And even the one that he missed the Slayton, he threw it from the 20 yard line and it landed at the opposite 20 yard line. That's a lot of arm strength right there from Daniel Jones. So I think he's, he's an easy punching bag for a lot of people, but I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people try to make him out to be. And this was a pick that I was down on when the giants first drafted him. I thought he showed a lot more than I expected in his rookie season. And it's been up and down this year but I don't think the stats are necessarily indicative of him. Now, he's done a little bit better job of not turning the ball over recently, which is definitely something he needed to do. But there were, he hasn't had a touchdown in the last two games against the Bengals and against the Eagles. He had one against Washington, throwing, that is. Mm-hmm. But there were plenty of drives that were capped off because Daniel Jones led them down there, and then the Giants punched him from the one-yard line to Wayne Gallman. With Daniel Jones, I think it, this would have been an interesting game. Without him, I, I don't really think so.
0: Is there some hope, though, that just I mean, looking at the the number of turnovers that the Giants have given up through the first part of the season? I know they've, they've cleaned that up in recent weeks, but are you a little bit more hopeful that maybe Colt McCoy can keep the Giants from getting in those turnover situations and maybe keep it close in that regard? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, Brandon.
1: I mean, last week, again, he came in relief, didn't have any of the first team reps, but Colt McCoy should have threw two picks in a limited time and mm-hmm. in the few passes that he ended up throwing like didn't even track that there was a linebacker and underneath coverage threw it right to him. And Akeem Davis Gaither just ended up dropping it. I mean, if Gaither comes down with that ball, then it's end of the game. This was a 1917 win, but the entire game, I felt like the Giants were going to win this football game. They were just playing to get Colt McCoy basically off the field and not have him harm the offense, just run the ball, kick the field goals and try to live to allow the defense to do what they did. And this defense has been playing incredibly well recently, which we'll get into very, very confident. So I don't necessarily feel that, but I just think Jason Garrett's going to need to go into this game with a conservative game plan like he did against the Washington football team. The first time they played where they ran the football, established the power gap system that they've been using and it's been working. And also kind of implement the creativity that he's been using, the jet sweeps to Evan Ingram, the jet sweeps to Sterling Shepard, the throwbacks to Golden Tate, where Golden Tate tries to hit that deep wheel route, which they ran twice. It hasn't hasn't worked yet, but maybe it will work this week. But I think that Jason Garrett's going to need to kind of be conservatively creative to try to keep this offense in it while, by establishing the run and winning at the line of scrimmage.
0: Well, going into this season, that you know, those jet sweeps were something that I was really worried about, the the Seahawks being able to defend. And they went out and they got some more speed in the offseason. So I, I am curious to see if, if this could be the game where we start to see more of that and if it, it works against this defense. It's been very strong against stopping the run. So I I think the this Seahawks defense is going to focus in. Pete Carroll loves to focus in on stopping the run. And I'm a little bit curious, you know, with Saquon going out early this season with the ACL injury, Daniel Jones going out now. What group on offense would you say is really the strength of this Giants offense right now?
1: Right now, without Colt McCoy, I mean, they've been running the ball well and the offensive line has played significantly better than they've had from the beginning of the year. To be honest, I mean, because this offensive line, it has an undrafted Third-year tackle out of Nebraska, Nick Gates, as their starting center. This is his first year at center, and he's coming along. He's probably had his best game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Then you have a journeyman, Kim Fleming, at right tackle. Kevin Zeitler, who is probably your best offensive lineman at right guard. And then left tackle, Andrew Thomas. He's been playing so much better than he was in the beginning of the year where he hmm. looked absolutely lost. So that's definitely a positive sign. Then at left guard, it's a little tricky. They've been kind of running... Two players there because Will Hernandez got COVID and then Shane Lemieux started. And then when Will Hernandez came back, Shane Lemieux kind of held on to the job. I think Shane Lemieux is a good run blocker. I think Will Hernandez is a solid run blocker as well, but I think Shane Lemieux is significantly worse as a pass protector than Will Hernandez, but Shane Lemieux has been playing the majority of the snaps. He plays about two thirds. Will Hernandez plays about one third. Will that change? Maybe, maybe because I think Will Hernandez just looked better on tape against the Cincinnati Bengals. And now we also are getting, the Giants are getting Matt Parrott back from the COVID list as well. And he was a rookie third round pick 99th overall Mm. who they mix in as well plays about half the snaps at right tackle for cam Fleming. And they kind of do this offensive line rotation and the offensive line has been, I guess, the strongest unit. The receivers have been hit or miss. I guess you could say Darius Slayton's dealing with an injury right now. Sterling Shepard is one of the more underrated players on this team. Maybe even one of the more underrated players in the league in terms of his precision, his route running. And his ability to just manipulate defensive backs hips, he's definitely somebody that you have to pay attention to. And Evan Ingram is <laughs> he's an enigma, Brandon, to be honest, because <laughs> Evan Ingram will make that game-changing play and outrun a cornerback. And you're like, this guy is incredible. And then he'll tip a pass wide up in the air for a linebacker to intercept. And you'll get the best of both worlds with Evan Ingram. It's 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 a roller coaster with him. And it's kind of been a roller coaster season as well those are the skill position players but right now with colt mccoy wait a
0: second wait a second you're going to tell me about the skill position players and leave off golden tate former seattle seahawks receiver
1: (laughs) yes golden tate as well golden tate i think is underrated from the sense that He's smart. He's very vocal every time there's a defensive back blitz because the Giants do like to line up tight and you can see him always communicating with the quarterback. He will be the hot receiver because he's always playing in the slot. From an athletic standpoint, it's just not necessarily there with Golden Tate right now. I'm sorry to break it to you, Brandon, <laughs> but he can still have these big plays. He's still sure-handed. He's still incredibly tough over the middle. He still has all of those type of traits. And then there's Wayne Gallman, the running back, obviously, who right. is underrated in the sense that he's very, very physical, always falls forward. But if you're going to win with one specific unit, against seattle without daniel jones is going to be that offensive line so it's that young offensive line against seattle's defensive line obviously and somebody i'm worried about and i wanted to get your take on this is Puna ford sure to be honest yeah Because Puna ford he's five foot eleven and he plays a lot of nose he plays a lot of one technique he's going to be going up against a rather inexperienced center who's six foot five and there's such a natural leverage advantage for Puna ford who's strong as heck in his own right that's somebody that i'm actually pretty worried about
0: I think you have reason to be worried about him. You know, this has been kind of a, a breakout year for Puna Ford, actually. And it's a, a guy who we've kind of been waiting to develop. He was an undrafted free agent. But, you know, coming out of the Big 12, he was the defensive lineman of the year. And for him to go undrafted was, I think, specifically due to his size. Over the last couple of years, he's been that guy in the middle to to plug up the run and you know he had his role in that way but we've really started to see him develop as a, a guy who would pressure the quarterback last week against Philly he had three pressures he had one sack you know for for a a guy on the the plays nose essentially he's very athletic and you'll see him in the middle of the defense but yet you know if there's an outside run play he'll he'll be there oftentimes to to make a tackle on some of those stretch run plays
1: yeah i know a, a decent amount about really athletic interior defensive linings because the Giants have a bunch of them that I'm sure we'll get
0: into a little bit later too. And aren't those guys awesome to have, man? Oh, the best. And, and Puna Ford with the name and everything and just he seems like a cool dude. Uh he's he's absolutely one of those guys that you want to have on our team. So Nick, let's take a quick break. I want to come back and I do want to get your thoughts on this Giants defensive unit because it does seem to be a strength of the team this year. And it's going to be going up against a really strong offensive unit in the Seahawks. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Nick Filato of Big Blue View and co-host of the podcast, Big Blue Banter, joining the show. And we're talking about the New York Giants and Seattle Seahawks coming up on Sunday as the Giants travel to Lumen Field in Seattle. And Nick, you know, we've, talked about a a little bit of defense to this point and the Giants I mean gosh in terms of turnovers in terms of uh, points allowed it seems like this team is this defense in particular is is doing quite well and you've had a pretty difficult schedule I mean outside of I guess your NFC East rivals right
1: yeah. I mean, I would definitely say so. They played the Rams. I mean, Chicago's not necessarily that great. They played Nick Mullins of San Francisco and they were able to really run the ball on this team, but that was way back in week three. But as far as recently, the Giants beat the Bengals, only allowed 17 points. Seven of them came on a kickoff return in the first half. Then they held the Eagles to 17 points, Washington to 20, and then Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to 25. And that was kind of really when this defense really started to gel i would even argue that against the eagles they did but then jabril peppers who was having a phenomenal season gave up a pretty bad touchdown to boston scott to end that game and give the eagles the win in the waning minutes but now this defense brandon has really been coming along from the secondary to the defensive line the linebackers blake martinez has been such a great acquisition as has james bradbury by david gettelman and i just think i'm excited about this team because it's an actual team i feel like the giants Recent Giants defenses weren't necessarily a team, really. It was just a bunch of individual players playing football together. This is definitely has team vibes to it, and I think that can't be understated.
0: Well, one of the guys that I was really worried about, because Kyler Fackrell, when he played for the Packers, I I remember one game where he just, he was in the backfield against Russell Wilson. It seemed like every other play, and unfortunately, it, it sounds like he's going to the IR this week. He is, he is, and honestly, that is a very underrated loss that not a lot of people
1: will talk about but kyler fackrell is perfect for patrick graham's system as an edge defender and not necessarily just from a generating pressure point of view he has 15 pressures on the year three sacks corner pro football focus some of those are half sacks so take that for what it's worth but as this edge setting defender against the run and as a defender in the cover three that buzzes out to the flat kyler fackrell did that very well he was an excellent backside pursuit defender and the giants don't really have edge players right now to fill that void. You have Jabal Sheard, who's been playing pretty well against the run, but he's more of a short field boundary type of edge. You don't want him kind of to the field, especially when you run those cover threes. You have Carter Coughlin, and you have Nico Lelos, and you have Cam Brown. That is a seventh round pick, a sixth round yeah, pick. I don't, and an un- I don't
0: know any of those names, Nick. <laughs> yes. Yes. There are,
1: it's a seventh round pick, a sixth round pick, and an undrafted free eight, rookie free eight, and all rookies that are going to kind of be mixed in with Jabal Sheard for that edge position. And the problem with Carter Coughlin, he's very quick. He gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He's from the university of Minnesota, but he's not exactly stout against the run holding up at the point of attack may be an issue, but the giants may be faced to, to play him without Kyler Fackrell. Cause the giants lost those Zimenez. He's on the IR. They lost Lorenzo Carter. He's on the IR. They're very, very thin at the edge position. They traded Marcus golden. So You look at the the vulnerabilities of the defense, that's definitely the big vulnerability. I'm interested to see on who exactly they're going to bring up for the practice squad or who they're going to address or how they're going to just address this Kyler Fackrell loss. You Mm can also see them putting Devontae Downs and David Mayo on the line of scrimmage as like an edge rusher on rundowns to help set that edge and kind of keep the continuity of the run defense together. Because Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, even B.J. Hill, those are really, really good football players. But when you run outside, you need to be able to set an edge with the defense that Patrick Graham runs and losing
0: fackerel is going to make that difficult. Yeah. Leonard Williams. There's a name that I know. What uh, what should Seahawks fans expect from him on Sunday?
1: Relentless. (laughs) Leonard Williams is absolutely relentless. Patrick Graham likes to use him on a lot of well-designed stunts and twists. And you can see him at one technique, three technique, four eye technique, five technique, edge player. He he can really do it all. And he has been doing it all. This season, he leads the Giants with 38 pressures, has seven sacks with those 38 pressures. And he's been playing for that contract and he's earned it, to be honest. I mean, Leonard Williams has been everything that you can kind of hope for from the New York Giants. And I really just want to see this player paired with someone like Chase Young, paired with a true edge rusher. because it would really maximize his skill set. But right now he's the most dangerous pass rusher they have. And he's somebody that
0: you should probably be worried about, especially if you guys
1: offensive line has not been playing all that well.
0: You know, it's been off and on this year and a big concern that I have going into this game. Brandon Shell, who the Seahawks picked up from the New York Jets to play right tackle this offseason. He's actually been one of the best right tackles that I can remember in, in Seahawks history of, of recent memory. And he's been out. And so they bring in Cedric Abwehi, another offseason acquisition, a first round pick. But for the Bengals and, and very disappointing time with the Bengals went down to Jacksonville. And he was filling in at right tackle last week and just it was it was not good. It was not pretty, Nick. So I, I am a little bit curious of when Leonard Williams is lining up on the edge, if he is generally taking on the right tackle or left tackle, because it's a big difference between Abwehi on the right side and, you know, a Pro Bowl talent and Dwayne Brown on the left side.
1: It's been both. I mean, you've kind of seen him all over the line of scrimmage, to be honest. Patrick Graham has done an excellent job. A, teaching these guys the importance of playing defense, which is something that seems pretty trivial, but all these players rave about the attention to detail that Patrick Graham instills in them, and you kind of see it on the film. But Leonard Williams, they're going to try to get him matched up against whoever is the most vulnerable. That's what I expect them to do. And if you look at his splits, he plays a lot over the right tackle. He plays a lot of right end. He'll play Rio. He'll play Leo. He'll play just on the defensive line as the one tech, two tech, and all those interior spots, depending on the situation, that's more of a role that is for Dexter Lawrence and especially Dalvin Tomlinson, who's usually always over the nose and commands double teams because he's an absolute stud. But Leonard Williams, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be seeing Leonard Williams against he. to be honest.
0: Well, that uh, that worries me then. <laughs> and that's <laughs> what that makes absolute sense. So uh, if now, if they can't get pressure on Russell Wilson, uh, obviously, it's it's going to be tough for the New York Giants defense. You, you mentioned some of your concerns earlier about the way the Giants play defense. But DK Metcalf coming off just an absolutely huge game against the Philadelphia Eagles. He's already at a thousand yards for the season. He's the fastest Seahawks receiver to a thousand yards. And so that beats out uh, Hall of Famer Steve Largent, obviously different era. But uh, now the fastest guy to do it, beat uh, Joey Galloway, an outstanding receiver in his early season with the Seahawks as well. So uh, what do you expect the Giants to do? Do you think with with the kind of season that James Bradbury's having? Do you think he's lined up across from Metcalf every single snap or do they tend to play the kind of defense where like the Seattle style defense? Everybody just kind of stays to their spots.
1: You know, that's actually a really good question, because earlier in the season, Bradbury, you saw him shadowing a little bit more. But earlier in the season, they actually played man coverage. They really don't play a lot of man coverage. You're rarely going to see them and cover one man free. It's something they really just do not do. They'll do two man under if it's third and short. And they're afraid of the past. They'll do two man under, so two high man underneath. But they're a pretty heavy zone team. And that's kind of what they, that's kind of been their calling card all season. That's one of the reasons they're effective. They're top down type of defense. Check it down. We're going to rally to the football and we're going to make a tackle. This team is very good at not missing tackles, which is something I'm not used to saying as a Giants fan because I feel like defenses in the past have been. So I expect a lot of cover three. It's what they've been doing. Last week coming out of the bye against Cincinnati. They were using a lot of Tampa, two robber, inverted cover two, whatever you want to kind of deem it. And that's the coverage that I'm worried about. If they use it too much against Russell Wilson, it's going to hit a big post because that puts such a stress on those two deep half defenders dropping from basically the line of scrimmage because they're obviously in a disguise. They do a really good job pre snaps, uh, showing the quarterback a different type of defense. They come out in a lot of inverted cover two. I could see a big deep post play going to DK Metcalf. I really hope that doesn't end up happening. I think uh, Patrick Graham being as smart as he's been this entire season is going to be pretty judicious with that type of coverage. Don't use it as much against Seattle like they did against Cincinnati because you're going up against Brandon Allen. This is Russell Wilson. He'll make you pay. So I think we're just going to see a lot of three deep, maybe normal cover two type of plays and then also cloud type of coverages to DK Metcalf side. And they're going to try to force check downs. They're going to try to pressure. They'll probably bring a little bit of the blitz, a little bit of the DB blitz. They like the uh, the nickel back either Darnay Holmes, rookie fourth round pick out of UCLA, or Logan Ryan. He drops down and he comes on a five man pressure package. They'll probably do that to kind of help accelerate Russell Wilson's internal clock.
0: But yeah, you're going to see a lot of cover three. That's interesting to me because I mean Russell is not a guy who likes to check down, and so I can see that uh, going. A couple different ways, you know, it's either he's he's going for the big plays and and finding them or maybe a guy like Dexter Lawrence having a big game, Leonard Williams having a big game and and getting pressure to him. So that's it's going to be something interesting to watch. And this Giants team has been pretty good about uh, getting turnovers, haven't they?
1: They have been. They've been very opportunistic. They're all. Of that New England mindset where they're just going for the football and they're stripping and they're punching at the football, which is something that Logan Ryan has perfected, and it's definitely a welcome sight. But I am, I'm like you kind of mentioned, Brandon. I'm a little nervous about those those deep passes. Yeah. I really am. Once you give Russell Wilson time, and they're going to be in that three shell a lot of the time, so there's going to be help coming over top hopefully, but it's going to be hard to contain DK Metcalf, even with the cornerback as good as James Bradbury, especially with the second option of Tyler Lockett, who seems like he'll disappear sometimes and then just blow up and be the best receiver ever. He's got to be the most efficient receiver in the league this year. I feel
0: like he's like that almost every year. And the the chemistry that he and Russell Wilson have is incredible. And he does have a, a knee injury that I think has been holding him back here these last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that he's he's coming back from that. And that uh, because once you have a healthy DK Metcalf paired up with Tyler Lockett and then not to mention the fact that Josh Gordon was announced that that he's been reinstated, he's not going to be back for this game, but he will be back for the final two games against San Francisco and Los Angeles. So it'll be a big boost for the Seahawks offense to get a guy like Josh Gordon in those last two games and then going into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I feel like Josh Gordon always just reemerges like every year and he's always either on the Patriots or the Seahawks. You guys are always benefiting from that.
0: Yeah, they they signed him early, which was it was kind of interesting yeah. watching the news today and seeing that he was reinstated and seeing you know just how many teams were in need of wide receivers, including the Philadelphia Eagles. And just being able to look at all those people who were actually curious about signing Gordon and knowing that he's already locked up for Seattle. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and he, he did play last season and had some really nice catches in in big key moments. So yeah, not going to happen this game, but it's something that I know Seahawks fans are going to be excited for going down the stretch.
1: Absolutely, and just to touch on the Giants turnovers again, the player to watch would probably be Logan Ryan in the middle of the field. Mm. doesn't seem like Russell Wilson throws into coverage all that much, but he's been playing robber a lot of the times, dropping down, using a little bit of a slice type of technique where you kind of cover the number two, have the nickel back outside shaded over the top. And then if the, the safety drops down and tries to rob that inside breaking route, whether it be a dig or a slant, something that you kind of see a little bit on film from the New York giants, Logan Ryan, definitely tried to do it several times against Brandon Allen and Brandon Allen to his credit actually didn't end up throwing the football, just kind of double clutched it and took a sack from Leonard Williams. So that's kind of a, uh, some of the stuff that they're going to be throwing at Russell Wilson, but doesn't seem like Russell Wilson's a uh, turnover prone type of guy.
0: He he hasn't been the last few weeks. He had a pretty good stretch where it uh, he was making some throws that you just don't see from him. So, yeah, Logan Ryan, uh, second on the team with eight passes defensed behind James Bradbury with 15. He has the three force fumbles. So, you know, that, and that's leading the team. So uh, definitely a guy to be worried about. Nick, really want to thank you for coming on the show. What uh, what kind of prediction do you have for this game coming up?
1: I think the Seattle Seahawks are probably going to win this game. I'm going to say we'll go with 24 to 10.
0: You know, as as a guy who has been watching the Seahawks defense all year, I was really excited that they might hold the Eagles under 10 points and then to see the Hail Mary, you know, put up points late in the game. Uh, you know, a nice uh, seeing them hold an offense to 10 points. I, I'd be OK with that, Nick. That's Cole McCoy, though. If this was Daniel Jones, I would give... If this was healthy, Daniel Jones, I would
1: give the Giants a, a legitimate shot to win this game, even if even though it's on the road.
0: Well, maybe we should just be thankful that uh, that this is going to happen. <laughs> hey, uh, before you go, what, what's your prediction as far as the East goes? Who Who's going to win this? See, the Washington football team
1: are kind of surging right now. Yeah. So if, again, not to go back on if the Daniel Jones, but if Daniel Jones only misses this game and he can come back, I think the Giants have a real legitimate shot to win this. But the way that Washington defense is playing, the way they've been running the football, they're not a team to write off right now and it's definitely not the flavor of this week to pick Philadelphia or Dallas because they were both absolutely embarrassed. So I think the Giants, I think it's going to come down to maybe the Giants or the football team, which are the two teams that you would definitely not have picked in the beginning of the year.
0: No, no. And and really, Washington has a difficult stretch over the next three games, too. They play Pittsburgh next, then they play mm-hmm. San Francisco on the road, and then they play Seattle. So it's uh, and closing off the season is probably the the favorable part of their schedule with Carolina and then the Eagles. But yeah, if if they lose the next three, I guess there's the potential that six, six and, and ten. Then six and ten potentially wins the East. That's kind of the the buzz going around that six and ten
1: might be the, the number to get there because Philadelphia and Dallas have looked really, really bad. And Washington and the Giants are both kind of hey, if they win this game, then that's going to give them a good shot. But they're both sitting at four and seven right now. And the Giants have that tiebreaker because they beat them twice. Thank you, Ron Rivera, for going for two. Thank you.
0: I don't know how I feel about a team beating the Seahawks seven and nine season to get to, you know, get into the playoffs with six wins. I, you know, we're not going to have that anymore. I would definitely love to see the
1: Giants host a playoff game and then beat like the Rams or something.
0: I, you know <laughs> what? That is the perfect team that I would like to see them beat in the playoffs. So I, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for that, Nick. I knew you'd love that. <laughs> He is Nick Filato of Big Blue View and co-host of Big Blue Banter. Nick, really appreciate you coming on the show, breaking down this game. Brandon, thanks for having me. See, Nick knows just the right things to say to this particular audience. Really appreciate him coming on. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Filato, F-A-L-A-T-O. And after you give him a follow, hop on over to fieldgoals.com. Lots to talk about up there, as Alistair Corp has the article on Josh Gordon reinstated by the NFL. He's coming back week 16 for the game against the L.A. Rams. Also some news about some additions to the Seahawks practice squad. Defensive tackle Miles Adams and wide receiver Darvin Kidsey. They had two open spots because of Stephon Sullivan and Bo Scarborough going to injured reserve. So, those are the guys coming in. And Alistair just crushing it with the articles. He also has the all 22 look at what DK Metcalf did against the Philadelphia Eagles. All great stuff to check out. Field goals.com. Be sure you subscribe to this show so you can get it in your podcast feed as soon as the episodes come out. SBNation.com slash NFL podcast to get this show or any of the shows on the SB Nation Network. I'm looking to be back with Anthony Nockreiner to do our picks going into Sunday's Slate of Games, so look for that here. Coming up next. Until next time, go Hawks.